This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. One might say this next guest has the sweetest job ever. That's right. She works on corporate reputation and social media at Hershey. And she's heard that joke maybe a thousand times before. I want you to meet Sarah Dahl. She's going to tell you all about Hershey's approach to social media and specifically how their corporate is approaching social media and the need for a corporate channel. Take a listen. Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you today. And one might say you have the sweetest job ever. <laughs> <laughs> we do get that a lot. We do get that oh, a lot. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm not original. Fine. Okay. So tell <laughs> me before we get to your sweetest job ever, tell me about life before that. Tell me about the story of your career. It's a little unconventional, but I feel like everybody has that unconventional aspect at some point in their lives. So Unconventional careers are the best kind. Correct. So I started, um, believe it or not, in the sports industry. I was a communications major and specifically focused on that industry. I grew up uh, with two older brothers and a dad who was really passionate about sports, and it just continued to me. I don't think I was too much of a, a Tom girl, but I'm sure it came out at times by having to tag along with them everywhere. So sports is still a passion today, but was something that really interested me. So the two degrees I have have a sort of sports emphasis to them and did a lot of different uh, gigs in that and communications from working with an agency to supporting teams and working in college athletics. And then one day got a call from a recruiter asking to come to Hershey. And um, I actually grew up not too far from here. So it was one of those things that I just could not pass up. You know, Hershey had been a part of my life from day one. Um, I think I shared with you before that my birth announcement was actually a Hershey bar. So it, that it was something that... That is the weirdest kismet ever. Yeah, it really is. I still have it. It's still in this um, thing in the basement that they have from like all the birth stuff. But it just seemed like it was kind of meant to be. And the next thing you know, I was I was working here. Unbelievable. And so tell me a little bit about when you're working there. You're working at you know, this really iconic brand. So talk to me about mm -hmm. within Hershey, what your role is and your approach. When I actually started, I was working on the brand side of the house. So this is a 122 year old iconic company and, you know, have these great brands like Hershey's the namesake, um, you know, Reese's who, who doesn't like that um, Twizzlers, et cetera. So when I started here, 
I was working on that side and really helping them with their social pages. It was still, you know, social up and coming. There were mm-hmm. not as many networks as there are today. Um, and that was just three years ago, which is hard to believe. But, you know, really working with them to see what their strategy was, how they were reaching consumers, and then the different subsets of consumers that you have to deal with, you know, from moms to millennials, etc. And then uh, recently in the last year, I actually moved over to the corporate brand. So something unknown before, you know, this was always the brands were the face of the company and, mm. and it didn't really stand on its own. And of course, you have that namesake Hershey's brand. Um, so we did some research as a company and decided that there needed to be a corporate brand um, more predominant than it had been ever before. So about two and a half years ago, uh, they launched a new redesign of the corporate logo and really started to build out that brand profile. And we kind of sat back and all of us were very aware of it. We were like, the brand, the company brand doesn't have social handles at all. Um, the only thing they had was a LinkedIn page, which was kind of a catch-all. It didn't publish content or anything like that. And what we did was we kind of researched and looked and put a lot of thought into it. There were a lot of people involved in the process and a lot of different stakeholders. And uh, with that, launched four additional channels and and started to publish on LinkedIn to really kind of round it out and get the company behind it. So it was a new challenge because, of course, it's not thinking about consumers front and center anymore. It's now thinking about investors and retail partners and and you name it and how you can, you know, give them a brand launch story that isn't just this product's now available. So it's been a whirlwind for sure. But every day, like you said, is, is for the pun, pretty sweet. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So tell me a little bit. So we're going to step back a little bit and then get to where you are now. So when you were working on the brand side, you guys also ended up launching something, a, a social center, right? Was that H Pulse? Mm-hmm. Is that Correct. right? H pulse. Yeah, it is. Okay. Good. All right. So tell me a little bit about that and what led to that decision and that launch. Yeah. So I think what we really thought about was we were pretty siloed. So when I first started, you know, I was kind of that central point of contact that helped get the agencies that were creating and managing the social channels together with consumer relations, which was responsible for replying to consumers' issues on social and the brand teams and kind of being that hub. And what we realized was we really needed a social hub and not just a person because we were growing leaps and bounds and there were more people added for different roles. So we sat back and really the, the center is still evolving. It's about a year old, not quite, but really how it started out was, you know, realizing that agility is very important in social and having certain things happen um, that all were positive, but things like Reese's tree shapes last year right. um, really helped H pulse come into the light because now we can see on eight screens visually, you know, how people are talking, what they're talking about, the sentiment, and really be able to react and see what's going on by brand um, and kind of set it up that way. So now we have kind of a restructured team and, and we call them more agile, smart teams so that it's not everyone and kind of bogs down the process, but instead, you know, H pulse is there to kind of move it and make it swift as it possibly can. Mm, Very interesting. And so when you have brands, when you have a large uh, corporate group like Hershey and you have lots of brands under the brands, Mm -hmm. do the brands, when they're all coming together for something like H pulse, when you're looking at all this, do they get competitive with each other? Do they try and like 
be the best of the best at Hershey? Is there sort of that internal driving force there? Um, I actually don't think too much. I mean, there are the the top brands that everyone is is aware of. You know, yep. it's hard to match Reese's right. and what they do and their very loyal fan base. But I think it's pretty interesting, the collaborative nature of it, because everybody on the brand side, of course, consumers are their number one target. But when you break that down, it's so interesting because, you know, something like Snack Mix and Snack Bites, which just launched um, earlier this year, they're looking at trying to change people's snacking behavior to say, right. next time you want to go for chips, think about the snack mix, which has pretzels and peanuts and, you know, Reese, mini Reese's cups in it um, and, and change it that way versus, you know, the average. So they're not, they're not very competitive with it. I mean, I think they'll, they'll laugh at each other and, and acknowledge things that happen, but not, not typically. I know you talked about how they, some of them have sort of different business goals, right? One is changing snack perception. Uh, well, one of them is like really tapping into brand loyalty. Do they all at a large company like that, do they all measure kind of the same types of KPIs? Are they all looking at doing the same thing or does it vary by brand? I think today it varies by brand. We've often talked about trying to set standard KPIs. And I think that's always a discussion for us weekly, sometimes monthly, um, to try to figure out, but it, it's a little bit difficult, I think, for that one size fits all mentality because mm. you have something um, that's unique, like Hershey's, who last time I checked had seven million Facebook fans, and then you go to something like Kit Kat, where Hershey only owns the U.S. license, so you're geo-targeting Facebook, and you only have like 1.5. I'm sure it's much more than that now, but that was mm-hmm. a few years ago mm-hmm. when I was on that brand, and it kind of sets it a little apart from them. I think when they go into their campaign planning, they do have different KPIs because, you know, they're really looking at, is it influencing someone? Is it actually, you know, doing that purchase point, different things like that. So we have not yet set standard KPIs across the board. And so when you made the move over to kind of the corporate social media stuff for the Hershey company. Mm-hmm. Was that shift in in reaching a different audience? So you talk about like reaching investors and reaching people um, at retail and all of these different things. When you're looking at that, um, how does it shift your strategy? It's a, it's a very different play than just a straight mm-hmm. consumer play. So talk to me a little bit about that approach. It's very interesting. I think it's a daily challenge, even though yep. I've been here for a year. Um, because you have multiple target audiences, you're thinking about, you know, investors, we really, really hit four times a year, but those are really big times to try to figure out, are you reaching the right audiences with um, the information and what channels are you using to get it out there? Um, Versus right now, we're really trying to think about how we target those retail buyers that we work with every day and how do we get in that mindset. So I think we're doing right now a lot of test and learn specifically on LinkedIn to try to figure out, are we reaching them? Are they clicking our content? Is it engaging? You know, what could we be doing a little bit differently? But it's definitely something to I think about a lot. And also the other big audience that I constantly think about on a daily basis, which believe it or not, I didn't think about as much with brands is our employees. They're our biggest brand ambassadors. Mm. You know, they're out there for us. They're very passionate and loyal to the company. And how are we getting them um, to work with us, to engage, to want to share that, and also want to showcase the great work they do? 
because I have this pedestal I'm on right now, which is personal branding. And there's a lot of them that kind of look at you like I'm a personal brand and you're just trying to showcase to them that, yes, the work you do, people are going to respond to. We want you to blog for us. We want you to be out on LinkedIn blogging on your own network and, and different things like that. So every day is definitely a new challenge because one thing might be just employees while other things are you know, figuring that, out that brand launch to investors, to retail partners, and to employees. So there's multiple touch points along the way. And you actually just launched a formal ambassador program, right, for social? We did. Tell me a little bit we about did. that. We <laughs> did. It's kind of my my weakness right now is I want everybody to love social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> Convince the whole and- company. Everybody. Yes. Everybody, please sign up. That, that is my ultimate goal. I know it's a lofty one, which is why I say it's my weakness, but really just want to engage employees to get them to see it. I think um, it just never was a comfortable feeling to them to want to share. And, you know, when Facebook grew in its mass popularity where it wasn't a college thing anymore, it became kind of a way for you to connect with family and friends and it seems to be the one dominant network everyone has, but then employees sometimes aren't um, as comfortable sharing on that. So you're trying to showcase to them. I mean, the way we're kind of um, presenting it right now is LinkedIn and Twitter because we want them on Twitter to be those thought leaders when they're going to conferences and understand that, you know, you're not just someone who sits there and takes notes. You have a point of view and, can actively engage with people and make a lot of great connections. So that's kind of how we're, we're going with it. I think we're about in the fifth month now and we've seen a lot of really good returns by trying to start small with people that are already socially savvy so that they can start bringing people along on the journey with them because now people are seeing their behaviors. And it's very interesting because for people that aren't in the program yet, they'll say, I see you're posting a lot on LinkedIn now. Like, what's that about? And then it kind of starts that conversation. And I think the word of mouth has been really powerful for us. I think it's so interesting what you said, too, about Facebook. Um, You know, it's it's a social property that people are very protective over. I've heard many, many times um, and even even for myself, you know, uh, where I promote everywhere else, uh, I promote every social lady podcast I do and everything. Sometimes on Facebook, I don't because I have fear of overposting or, or you know, you're connected mm-hmm. to like everyone from nursery school and up there. And so yeah, I think I think that that's it's hard. It's hard to ask people that. Yeah, it's really interesting to kind of debunk myths. So Facebook, I've kind of um, sheltered away from just because I do respect everyone's desire to want that to be their their personal, you know, network that they're not sharing professional things on. But it's very interesting to me that um, for some people that aren't daily active users on LinkedIn, that they don't completely understand how much it's evolved and that really is that professional branding network and it's no longer you just need to find a job. Um, So that's actually been an interesting part of trying to scale this ambassadorship program. Like you shouldn't be threatened by LinkedIn. You shouldn't worry about it in this way because it's really, you know, grown by leaps and bounds and it's really there to help you make new connections, share what you're doing and then should you so desire someday, obviously look elsewhere, but that's not really what the number one use for the network is anymore, which is really interesting. It's really interesting because they they really have evolved it, but they've had a hard time overcoming that sort of perception to the masses, I think mm-hmm. has been has been an interesting shift. They did a little bit with the um, the influencer program that they had where they had the LinkedIn influencers writing content was really, really great stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think, think the influencer part is is incredible. You have a lot of those really big thought leaders sharing on on their pulse blogs and getting more people to want to react to it. And I think it's helping, but I do still see, at least from our side, what we're seeing every day is there's still a long way to go to get people to understand how much it's evolved. Does the measurement around the corporate pages differ? Like what matters to you? Is it different than what matters to the brands? Or are you still looking at reach, engagement, that kind of stuff? What what do you use that determines success? I think it's a little similar. It's it's not a hundred percent, I think, married up because a lot of what we're looking for right now, um, our our corporate website relaunched uh about six, seven months ago. And we're really working on this corporate blog aspect and being able to make it the one-stop shop for people to find out company news. And, you know, when we have this big product announcement about a product coming out in December, that that be a place people can find information on why we're launching it, what the trend or the insight was behind this new product. So for us, we're kind of playing with the metrics a little bit. And right now it's clicks back to the blog and clicks back to our own properties mm. to kind of see what are, are we resonating at all? I mean, engagement's great, but I'm just trying to kind of go through an evolution as we bring measurement to the forefront of our planning and see what's really working for us. So the nice thing um, is I sit within corporate communications and corporate social responsibility and every month we get measurement reports that have not only the social touch points to them, but the media placements to it, the search engine optimization aspect, and it's really become this comprehensive toolbox. So we're still trying to evolve on what our standards are, but right now we're in the moment of, with this blog, we want that click-through to be our goal right now. What are the biggest challenges that you see facing your area specifically in terms of corporate? I think um, what it what it is is ultimately addressing misinformation or trying to grow your reputation in a different area. So, um, just a more tangible example for us every day is a lot of people misunderstand our manufacturing footprint and believe that every Hershey product is made in Mexico. And that's not true. Um, We have eight U.S. plants and 85% of U.S. products are made here in America. So it's about trying to educate those people to just better understand it. There's lots of examples I could give you, but that one is most tangible at this point in time just because you know, the, it always interests me going back to when I started in social media, this psychology and sociology of things, that particular point is very interesting to watch because there's some people that you go back to with our response that I just gave you and they're like, oh, thanks. Like that was so valuable. And then there's other people that you just can't sway at all. And it's very interesting to see like the buckets that you can put people in. And I think it's always our goal to try to educate no matter what and try to get them to, to come along on a journey with us. And of course it's their own, you know, free will on whether they'll come with us or not. But I think from a corporate lens, you're always thinking about different issues. I mean, right now, a large one um, hitting the food industry is um, GMO labeling and different things like that. So it's just about having this two-way dialogue and trying to be as transparent as possible with what we're doing and, and get people to come with us. 
So you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the ambassador program about how your latest obsession is all around personal brand and trying to get everyone to understand that personal brand is so important. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit, if you had to describe your own personal brand, what, what it is and, and how you would describe it. You know, it's funny that you say that because I would dare say that mine is significantly lacking because I'm working so <laughs> oh, hard. Oh, the get, shoemaker has really no shoes. Yeah, like you have one. <laughs> you have one. I know you do. No, um, I do. I do. I think it's it's really interesting. I've um, tried very hard in the last year or so to be open to opportunities such as this podcast and really share because um, the very first thing I did, I think, was in May, I spoke to um, an organization I'm a part of about how we established this presence for the company last year. And I so didn't want to do it because I thought, why is anybody going to find this relevant? Like it's 2016 and people have been social forever and, you know, just not thinking that there was a valuable story to tell. So I think it's been a great learning lesson for me on the personal brand of you really can help other people come along on the journey. So my brand has really been about helping to get in and establish things and try to change kind of the, the culture of, of what we're doing. I feel that all the time um, in terms of like, oh, this is, everyone knows this, this is old news, this is so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then time and time again, um, I'm thanked by people who really don't. And so it's like when you're in it as a social lady, yeah. you kind of don't realize don't that, right, that it's like not common knowledge to most people. And so I think uh, to remind yourself of that is so key. And I think you do a great job, uh, especially when you speak and listening to you speak about the passion with which you pursue uh, the brand ambassador efforts. It's it's really a great testament to exactly what you said your personal brand is. So credit to you. Yeah, it's just interesting to me because I was, I mean, I do listen to your podcast and I know you often ask like, what is the, the social network that they participate in the right. most or enjoy the most? And my, my answer is funny because I love Twitter, but for Twitter, for me is I'm an active consumer of it and not an active publisher on it. So it's really my like vehicle every day to get the news I need and I can follow the people that get me the news that I want and desire and know what's happening. But you'll probably only ever see me publishing about sports. You know, it's, Interesting. it's kind of a, yeah, you know, a, a lot give of and a take there. So sport, which is your favorite sport of choice? I know we will we'll begin with sports and end with sports. Favorite of favorite sport of choice. It's so hard for me to choose. Like, it's almost impossible. But I it's do love college football and basketball. So that's where I'm at right now. Football and basketball. Okay. See, so it's interesting. I'm not a college football or basketball girl, but I am a big baseball girl. Oh, are you a Cubs right. fan? <laughs> well, okay. I am a Mets fan. So I feel. Oh, okay. Cubs, yeah. I feel for the Cubs fans because I have experienced, you know, that kind of very long stretch, although not as long as the Cubs. And, um, and also uh, just the, uh, what an incredible series. Yeah. So it was just un incredible. So, yeah. So I'm a baseball fan in general, uh, but really a hardcore Mets fan, which is quite sad most of the time. The mutts. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really pull it together so much. <laughs> Amazing. So you're posting about sports, posting about sports, but consuming all different types of content. I think it's very interesting what people um, choose to post versus what they consume. I think I, I consume all the time and uh, post about very, very, very specific things as well. It's very mm -hmm. interesting. So where should people follow you if they want the latest and greatest on sports and everything else that's going on in your oh world? My gosh. <laughs> they probably don't want to, but they could. Um, I am... 
I am on Twitter. My handle is Sarah Siz, S-I-Z, and Sarah spelled with an H. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thanks for being on the show. You are one fabulous social lady. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.